Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Well, checking elsewhere around North Dakota, the best advice is to get out and fish. Once again this week, anglers generally enjoyed nice activity, especially for walleye on Devil's Lake and the big waters of Lake Sakakawea. Try East Bay on Devil's Lake using jigs and minnows if you're desiring some nice-sized perch. But just about everywhere else on Devil's Lake is kicking out numbers of walleye, especially on the west end. Try 10 to 20 feet, but the warming water temperatures probably start moving the fish a little deeper. Pipestem and Jamestown Reservoirs are drawing their share of angling attention, while Lake Ashtabula remains fair to good for bass with some walleye mixed in. The perch are small, though, and generally non-keeping size. Out west, the Missouri River has its share of recreational boating around Bismarck Mandan, so anglers are working south into Lake Oahe or heading north towards the tail race, which is still somewhat slow from shore during the day. Better success is going to be from boats. Look for shore success to improve, however. Try jigs and lindy rigs with night crawlers from boats around the spillway channel and the stumps, but you'll want to be mindful of fluctuating river levels. The tail race is producing nice numbers of walleye, but anglers will still want to do some sorting for those keepers. Try the rocks at night from shore. Overall, the tail race isn't producing much activity for trout, salmon, or catfish yet. And now there's Lake Sakakawea. While success is one's personal definition, and catching can always vary, in general, the Big Lake is producing walleye from the east end, working west towards the Newtown area, either side of the bridge, including the Van Hook Arm in the midsection. Try 8 to 20 feet, although there again the warmer water temperatures could move the fish deeper. Work a variety of depths and presentation, but the best success seems to be with Lindy rigs and a portion of a night crawler. Places along the North Shore on the east side include Stanky, Centennial, and Detrobrian Bays, with a little more consistent success in Douglas Bay. But keep working your way west to Indian Hills and Deepwater, or head to Van Hook and Newtown and around that area. Bottom line, it's definitely time to go fish. Just remember, daily and possession limits, ANS regulations, and please be courteous at the boat ramp. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then. 
and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. We're excited to welcome a good, good friend of ours, Mr. Mike Toole, to Gone Outdoors. He's one of our Brewer Agri Outdoor contributors, and as I said, a good friend. And he's also a, a real guru when it comes to food plots. And now is the season to be getting our food plots ready. Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm already excited for next fall, right? Uh, you know, the anticipation leading up to hunting season, it, it really never ends. Oh, man, no kidding. The anticipation and, and slightly the anxiety, you know, it it, uh, it kind of sneaks up on you. And, and all of a sudden you realize like, oh, man, I, I need to be I need to be preparing for the fall now already if I want to be doing any type of food plots to attract those deer in later on in the year. Yeah, that nine or 10 month, oh, it's nine or 10 months off and produce six months. And now we're sitting here going, well, really, archery season is going to be here in about two and a half months. So, mm -hmm. uh, wow, it's coming quick. You've been yeah. out working food plots on your hunting land, Mike, uh, and, and that's you know, that's a sign of, of the season that it is. I know a lot of other folks are doing the same. What's the intention of planting a food plot? What is the kind of the, the strategy behind doing something like that? Well, well, for me, mainly it's, it's a, uh, kind of a, a first off it's, it's to basically have them key in on a certain area that I want them to key in on at the time that I'm out hunting. Right. So, so whether that's, you know, early on in the year, early season, or if it's, you know, late season when there, there's snow on the ground and I want them to come to a certain food plot then. Um, so I'm, I'm planting food plots to, to dictate where I want those deer to be or, or where I think they'll be based on the food that I'm planting. When you look at your land, when you look at the, the hunting opportunities on your land and the strategies and, and tactics you put into play come fall, how do you plan for that this time of the year when it comes to food plots? Do you plant big plots, little plots? Uh, do you vary the, the crops you're planting? Tell us a little bit about how you approach it. Yeah, so I kind of I kind of have two two like two food plots really. So I, I have a food plot that that is going to be like the actual attractant. You know, this time of the year and going through the rest of the summer, you kind of have an opportunity to like draw in new deer or, or the, the area deer, you know, if you have, if you have the food that they want during the summer, um, and, and can kind of make them establish that area as their home grounds, it kind of ups your odds of, of having success with, with more deer later on in the fall, if they've kind of made that their home. And then the other, the other thing is, is actually having planting food that is, kind of ripe for them to feed on later in the year during during the hunting season so so turnips and and you know maybe soybeans for late season when there's snow on the ground um those types of things where you're actually going to be hunting over them boy mike that's a great plan not only are you trying to get the deer there but you're trying to keep them there during the hunting season so how do you figure out what it is to plant because there's so many different things out there to plant where, where do they get this information to know what they should be planting and when they should be planting it? Yeah. For me personally, it's been a trial and error. You know, I, I, you know, you plant something in it and it either gets eaten off 
right away. And, and you kind of pick up on the fact of like, Oh, those deer ate that off before. So specifically I, last year I planted corn and turns out I didn't plant enough corn early in the season because they actually mowed it all off within a month of summer, um, before it even got to even grow ears. So that was a learning process for me of, of, okay, now this year I'm going to plant a heck of a lot more corn that can hopefully sustain through the summer and draw those deer in that way. And then actually mature into a full ear of corn that, that will then be hunted over later on in the, in the winter. Um, so it's, it's, like I said, it's kind of a trial and error of, of playing around with different things of, and, and checking your food plots to make sure that they're, they're actually eating it and when they're eating it, the, the time of the year that they're eating it. Well, and that's a lot, you've alluded to that a couple of other times, Mike, in terms of the time of year, right? Because right now there's food and it's plentiful for deer. And so you're really, you want them in your area on your land, but you're not the only food source. But as we get into the hunting season and the crops come off, the leaves fall and all of the, the fall activities happen, how do you make that determination as far as when those different segments of the season will be utilized in your food plot? Yeah. So yeah, like, like you said, you know, we're, we're hunting down here in Southwestern Minnesota where the, the access to corn and soybeans and sugar beets is pretty readily available for those deer. Um, so that, that kind of plays a factor in, in where those things might not necessarily be that attracted to middle of the summer because they can go anywhere and, and get that stuff. So then you're hopefully allowing them to, to mature and grow that way when the farmers do take all that stuff out and you're all of a sudden the only cornfield within five miles, those deer are going to start to flock to that area. Um, and then, you know, I, because of that, I also start to talk about and, and consider um, different things that not, aren't necessarily a food source, but, but more of a, a, you know, a plant screen plot for, for better protection of, from gravel roads and that type of thing. So those deer just feel more calm on the food plot. So I'll, you know, I'll do turnips in the middle and then do sorghum or, or some, some sort of tall um, native grasses around the outside perimeter that, that they can um, kind of hide behind and feel protected in. You know, Mike, we just have a couple of minutes left here, but I think one of the things that's oftentimes overlooked when we talk food plots is the fact that you're going to hunt over a food plot and you may kill and, and harvest one deer or a couple of deer, but you're really <laughs> providing habitat and food for many, many more deer than you harvest and not just deer, but other wildlife as well. And you recently found that out. Uh, I know on your social media that uh, there are other wildlife using your food plot areas. I was actually mowing off some food plots to, to prepare to uh, dig and plant today, actually. We just got done doing that. And as I was mowing it off, a, a hen turkey flew up right in front of my brush mower. And so I stopped and looked, and here she had half a dozen eggs in a, in a nest right there. So like you said, you know, we're, we we don't do this because it's just for the hunt, right? It's not it's not all about just that harvesting of the animals. We truly do do it to to take care of all of the animals that are utilizing it. 
You're exactly right. Mike, where are some resources you might point folks to uh, who are interested in, in beginning that adventure of, you know, having a food plot on their land? Yeah, you know, I, I've learned a lot from different YouTube videos, you know, just going on going on YouTube and, and searching different people doing food plots and, and talking about um, different seeds and what their benefits are and that type of stuff. So that's, that's really where I, I got a lot of my knowledge from it. Um, certainly, if you have questions, you can certainly reach out to myself on, on social media. If you have questions about it, I, I would be happy to try and answer some of your questions about your land specifically. Awesome. Uh, Brewery Agree Outdoor contributor, Mike Tool. Mike, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us, and we appreciate the fact that uh, you've chosen law enforcement as a career. Thank you for that, and congratulations on your recent promotion. It's great to have the good guys out there like you that are uh, given their time, given their, uh, you're given a lot to, to protect all of us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the support. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.